Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. Or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with durable colors that last all season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 179 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown. Join each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry with me. I have two of the very best, Adam Candy and Dustin Gowker. You can follow them on the Twitter machine for free and you should just smash the button at Dustin Gowker at Adam Candy to ease no why if you hate yourself. You can follow me at Matt Brown M2. Everything we do, absolutely free. Do appreciate the support, however, in the form of just subscribe, rate, review and if you're over on the youtube the subscribe button down below also helps out a ton really do appreciate that give us a thumbs up also and let us know in the comment section is there anything you want us to talk about here on the pod because we are taking suggestions we will talk uh massachusetts we're going to talk valleys we'll maybe have just a little discussion at the end just about overall where the industry is as we head you know here through the first month of 2023 but dustin let's kick things off here my friend with new york yeah, interesting stuff coming out of New York around uh, responsible gambling. And this has been an issue we've talked about on this podcast and is going to continue to be an issue in states across the country. Um, but responsible gambling is getting uh, a little bit more of a, a spotlight in New York. Uh, this, the New York Council on Problem Gambling is calling for increased uh, funding and awareness. Uh, and if I'm them, this is a great time to talk about this when everybody is thinking about it. New York is getting a lot of money from, uh, from online sports betting uh, since it's launched. The state famously tax everything at 51%. Right now, $6 million goes to uh, to responsible gambling in the state. And what they're asking for now is 3% of all of all tax revenues to go to to their operations uh, for the past year, for instance, that would up the amount given to responsible gambling to $21 million um, derived from, from online sports betting. Uh, the crazy part for me is that um, they're not currently able or capable of put of having a helpline on twenty four seven. They're only on nine to five. So if you're if that funding is only getting you nine to five coverage on a helpline, you absolutely have to do this. Um, and the other crazy part about this, New York is actually ahead of a lot of states on what it is earmarked for on for responsible gambling. The fact that it, re, it actually said this much money goes here, this is not something a lot of states have done to, you know, to deal with the influx of, of perhaps new bettors who are who are not currently using a regulated sports book when they open up online uh, sports betting or casino. So 
this is kind of uh, it feels like a good moment to have this conversation because of uh, you know everybody the, re- the regulators in Ohio and Massachusetts are, are bringing this up. We have that that the the now infamous New York Times pieces. This is a this is coming to a head, and you really want to be ahead of responsible gambling. And New York is making so much money from from this that you know you're marking more money for this only really makes sense. And then uh, like if we're if we're doing state hotlines, we're saying call this number and if you like we all know game most games in the sports world other than on weekends are starting at night like nine to five isn't doing anybody any good like if, they, if you're thinking about betting or you're having a problem at night you should be able to get it to a helpline and this seems like the bare minimum we should be doing and this bare minimum is really probably not being met in a lot of states as well well adam as we know the research does show that uh, uh, irresponsible gambling happens the majority of the time between the hours of nine and five uh, on your on business days. We we found we've definitely seen the research that you know definitely during business hours is when is when the irresponsible gambling happens. Well, government being government, they think all right. Well, this is when we're open. Well, government is open nine to five. This is when we can afford to staff it, and then that's what we end up with. And obviously, you know, uh, Matt's being appropriately tongue in cheek for this. And we look at it now and say, how is it that a state that has the amount of funding that New York does coming out of sports betting is not dedicating the resources that it needs? And I can understand how at the jump, maybe, maybe you don't understand just how big Mm -hmm. the problem can become. If it's untouched, uh, Michelle Haddon is the assistant executive director for the New York Council on Problem Gambling. And she told our Mike Mazio that uh, I think we were pretty shocked last year at the amount that was lost and the people that were impacted. But this really, guys, is the note that got my attention. We definitely saw an increase in calls to our program and people looking for help, including a lot of moms of college age students. That is the part that needs to be addressed immediately because that is the part that is getting the most attention nationally right now. We heard about marketing on college campuses. We heard about Barstool's issues in Massachusetts with uh, hosting the show in Toledo. On and on, we hear about the need to protect those who are underage and not enough is being done with that. And so... Anyway, whether it's whether it's staffing it appropriately with the helpline, whether it is taking more serious action in terms of making sure that college age students who are really not at the decision making point of their life to be doing any of this responsibly are being addressed appropriately. Adam, I do want to continue on here with you with a a topic that. It's like, listen, we're happy to have legalized gambling in certain in all these states. And we say, though, every time something gets done, we can kind of pick at things and go, I mean, guys, what are we doing here? Of course, even when New Jersey went live, we were sitting and going like when they say, OK, but but no New Jersey colleges. We're just kind of like, OK, I mean, you know, sure. Make them go bet on their hometown team with a bookie. I mean, what are you accomplishing by doing all this? stuff? So there's always these like kind of head scratching things when it comes to what what is allowed and what's not and what markets are allowed and what are not state by state basis and things like that. And and there is a question for for New York, I think. Yeah, we see this in every state where regulators, sometimes lawmakers, but often regulators decide what is okay and what isn't. And it doesn't always seem grounded in reality or grounded in any sort of factual basis. It seems grounded in the idea of what we think might be a best practice as opposed to what really might be an established best practice elsewhere. So in New York, 
There's no betting allowed on awards futures, MVP, Cy Young, Coach of the Year, because the regulations in New York state that no betting is allowed on anything that requires a vote. But let's play this out for a second. Obviously, there are many other places in the country in which awards voting is allowed. And if you really start to think this through about the level of coordination that would have to go into rigging an awards market and or someone with knowledge of that vote being able to get down any wager of any significant size without tipping off a sports book, it is an infinitesimal sort of idea. Like it's really just not something that should be a serious concern. Then again, there are states, like you said, like New Jersey, that bet ban in-state colleges. There are states like Pennsylvania that don't allow betting on the NFL draft. Uh, New York is one of those as well. So I, there seems to me to be a need for a national regulatory discussion. And that was begun last year at the uh, Nickel G's conference in which they started to get together a group of regulators to discuss issues that were being had across different jurisdictions. And it seems to me that's the sort of discussion that would really benefit the industry as a whole for those who have certain practices to be able to talk to those who don't and say, listen, this is how we did it. This is how we got comfortable with it. These are the regulations that we put in place to be able to offer the most possible markets in the legal U.S. sports books without causing us concern. And Dustin, I think one of the things to to drive home here that Adam did mention is the reason I look, I the whole voting thing and all that, like I I in theory, I get why it might spook some people or whatever. But again, to drive home here, you would not be able to get down the type of action on any of these types of markets to be able to fix any type of vote or any kind of anything like that. And then further. If you did get tipped off, let's say it's not even to fix something. Let's say you just got tipped off. Same difference. Once something starts flooding in or whatever, then again, this triggers things within that we've talked about. The whole point of the legalized market, the whole point of regulation and whatever is we have these people monitoring these markets. And when things start getting all wacky, it puts up a red flag and they get pulled and investigations happen and all the different things like that. And so, you know, again, in theory, I get why you might be a little worried about something that isn't actually happening and played on the field. But in reality, it just doesn't play out the worst case scenario 99.9% of the time. Yeah, like the limits on these are much lower than on sides and, and things where you see the large bets. You're not going to be able to get, like you said, can't you just can't get that much money down on this to make it make it worth the squeeze. And yeah, I mean, although we have these examples of people uh, of kind of flaunting regulation and the fact that getting caught isn't really worth it. Like if you have inside, if you're in like internal in any of these organizations and like get the, the information about this, if you're taking that information and then trying to get that money down on it, you're, that's just such an awful idea that you're going to be out of a job and a career really quickly. If you're using inside information on awards to get down hundreds of dollars or spread it around the people like that stuff. Yeah. I mean, again, this is, this is again, why we have this because you can't, you're going to, you're going to get found out at this point. You can't, there's no, there's no way of getting around this at this point. And then again, the, the benefit, this is a feature, not a bug of the, of the regulated market is that the stuff can be caught when, uh, when, when, and if it happens. And I, you know, I don't think we've, we've really seen that. It's the same as all inside information though. Like if once something starts spreading around the market adjusts and, and it gets shut down quickly or the odds gets taken off the board or the odds adjust. So. And, and Adam, just to kind of put a, put a bow on this, I mean, further, just from a revenue standpoint, let's just be for real. I mean, unless like 
unless like the super popular choice hits, I mean, these are great revenue drivers for the books as well. I mean, for these sports books, I mean, people love to put in long shot futures tickets on their favorite team and their favorite player and the different things and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, not having that part of the, not that, you know, that piece of the pie in there. I mean, while it's not near as big as, you know, a, a standalone NFL game or kind of anything like that or whatever. I mean, it's six significant money. And especially when you start to talk about all the different things that you just mentioned, I mean, it's not, it's not just football where we're talking coach of the year and MVP and et cetera, et cetera, but that's in every single sport across the the whole gamut there. So it's, it's, it is, it's not, it's not insignificant the amount of, of, of money that is actually being turned away here too. Well, when you play it all the way through in a state like New York that has a 51% tax rate, and you say, okay, well, we're going to be putting up a market that, what would you say a theoretical hold is in one of those markets, 20 to 25%? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, for, for, the most, for the most part in, in those awards markets, you're not getting the greatest value, but people aren't really looking at that. They don't really care mm-hmm. if Aaron Judge is seven to one or eight to one. They're going to place the bet for their $20 mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And like we've been talking about, when that person walks in the door or turns on the app, and tries to get five grand down on one of these things, someone immediately is going to say, huh, that's a little weird. We Mm. probably should look into that more. Mm. So the idea that a vote or something that isn't decided by an an objective outcome on the field can't be monitored or appropriately regulated is just wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hopefully people are listening. Listen to us, New York. We know some things. We don't know much, but we know some things. And some things we're, we're right about. We're right about this. Uh, Dustin, I want to talk to you about Massachusetts. This is kind of an interesting story because, listen, we have been hyper-focused on, we just, I mean, we're literally just talking about responsible gambling. We've been hyper-focused on all that. And, of course, some of that comes into play with, with underage gambling. We know that some of these uh, sports books have already been kind of slapped on the hand already in other states because of marketing to non-21-year-olds, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this is an interesting kind of deal because we are talking about an actual professional person doing this sport professionally and what they can and can't make money off of from an outside endorsement deal. Yeah. To, to, to start this, the, the most interesting thing to me is we're five years into this and we're still coming up with in these new states, Ohio and Massachusetts, we're seeing them like new regulations and new thoughts coming out. This is fascinating that Massachusetts Gaming Commission and, uh, engages with some players associations about whether professional athletes between that are under the age of uh, legal age of gambling of 21, whether if you're 18 to 20, that she should be able to participate in endorsement deals. And what happened is the uh, basically the MLB and MBA players associations agree that this should not be something that's happening. Um, so, re- so really good. I mean, this is, it's just again, crazy that we had all these states legalized. We haven't even self-regulated this. Like, yes, let's just make this a thing. Like, there's no reason for somebody who's underage to be endorsing a sports book. And, you know, uh, MLB and NBA over-index probably in players who are young, who come out early and, and can be stars and, and can do this. So, um, you know, we haven't had to deal with it, luckily. Uh, but there's a, like a, just a fair – there's a very small handful of people who've had actual endorsements that are that are – currently active in a sport but this is obviously going to change um you know we, we haven't even gotten into nil and whether uh, college mm-hmm. athletes should be able to do this and things like that but it's a it's it's again fascinating to me that th- none of this is solved regulation is not solved in the u.s by any large by any 
stretch of the imagination that we're still identifying problems and coming up with them. And again, the, another feature of, of regulated sports betting is that we're thinking about these things and it's still, we're not done. And it's encouraging to me that we're still, you know, we have these new states coming online that are, are, are bringing up these ideas and, and making sure that there's a policy before, you know, anything gets out of hand or we have a bat or we have a, a you know, again, a sport, I would not put it, put it past the sports book to assign somebody between eight, uh, some 18 and 20 uh, without a rule saying that you can't do this because it's, it's certainly possible. You get a number one pick who just came out of school, eight, who's 19. Oh, but maybe they're hot for a sports book. Like, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, a, a good policy, I'd argue. And, you know, one that it's just kind of crazy that we never really thought about before. Yeah, Adam, I, I thought this one was pretty interesting as well. Like, it seems it seems cut and dry. It's like, Hey, look, you're not 21. You can't do the thing. You can't whatever and stuff. And then like, you start to equate it to where, you know, Budweiser would never, Budweiser would never get a guy to endorse their product, you know, whatever a liquor company would never, if he wasn't 21 yet and all this, but again, it is at least something we should go ahead, get out in front of talk about, let's put it on the table and make sure that something doesn't happen where you and I and Dustin are hopping on this podcast six months from now and somebody that gets taken in the draft in April it's like you know doesn't turn 21 for eight months and it's like hey they're the new face of sportsbook xyz you know it's 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 it seems like it's common sense but you know sometimes common sense isn't all that common it's important for us to talk about in light of everything we've discussed with college partnerships right Mm -hmm. because that is sort of the baseline for then talking about professional athletes of that 18 to 20 age range, because this came out of a meeting with Massachusetts regulators, with the players associations from Major League Baseball and the NBA. And those reps really tried to tiptoe on it and say, well, you know, it's not really our purview in marketing, but maybe it could be done in the right way and so on. I don't know that it can be done in the right way in the environment that we're in in 2023 in the US market, because I think it would be latched onto almost immediately as a problem. Now, could that be legally challenged in some way when we talk about the NBA, where so many of the players are coming in at 18, 19, 20 years old? Could that be thought of as an illegal restraint on their ability to make money? I would assume you probably have an attorney out there who would be willing to make that argument mm-hmm. that there's nothing that stops an 18 year old from legally being entered entered into a contract in any other sense right so wouldn't they be able to do that when it comes to a sports book is it in good taste is it in common sense i'm not going to tell you it is but would it be legal and would some sports book let's just say not maybe the same sports book that thought it was a good idea to fake the death of a hall of fame quarterback (laughs) but another sports book looking for attention be willing to do it i absolutely think they would that's what I was. I mean, that's what I was going to bring up. I, you, you, oh, we we trust the the industry to stop this. Like, we yeah, we, we pretended to kill a kill a quarterback. Like, uh, I don't know if I trust everyone to not do this. The it's true. The best decisions are not are not always are not always made. And so I, I I agree. I'm just glad we're getting out in front of this too because it's just like one of those things again. It seems obvious. Sometimes obvious isn't actually obvious. Uh, Adam, it, I actually sent you a text message uh, about a month ago, maybe three weeks to a month ago. And I said, man, we sure hadn't heard from Bally's in a while. We were basically having weekly updates here on the podcast of some sort of, you know, plan for them or some sort of, you know, some sort of acquisition that they had, whatever was going on and all that. And then uh, it was real, real quiet there towards the end of 2022. And as we enter 2023, we do have 
some news, but it is not the news that I'm sure a lot of people would be hoping for, specifically if you're within the company. The time that I worry the most about what my dog is doing is when I can't hear anything, <laughs> right? Like I think to myself, I should hear nails clicking or tags rattling or something. And then I think to myself, when I can't hear anything, some expensive item of my clothing is probably being chewed right now. So Matt, you bring up the idea of it's a little too quiet. And that definitely turned out to be the case with Bally's. Our Matthew Waters was going through uh, SEC filings and noticed that Bally's had put in a note that it was going to cut up to 15% of its interactive workforce. And this is not all that long after they spent $2.8 billion to acquire GameSys to bulk up their online gaming operations. And within the note that was in that filing, it essentially said, we now realize it's going to take a lot longer to make money in the US than we thought it was going to. And when you're in multiple states and you don't have more than 1% market share of sports betting in any of those states, I'd say that reality becomes apparent pretty quickly. So uh, things are moving very slowly for Bally's. Unfortunately, that means that a number of people are going to lose their jobs and it's the sort of thing we're going to have to keep an eye on with earnings calls coming up for a number of both sports betting operators and gaming operators who are in sports betting, because as we've discussed on this podcast, there are only so many operators that have attained significant market share in the first five years of the U.S. market. Yeah, Dustin, this is one of those things where I think we've looked at some of these and go, you know, what is what is reality? What is realistic when it comes to how big of a dent can they make in the market? What would their dent look like? How do they get to making that dent, right? And so I think with Bally's, like we saw a bunch of acquisitions and we saw some different things happen, but there was never the huge marketing blitz that you get from the big boys. There was never the plan of like, oh, okay, well, it's because we already have an established fan base in like what Fanatic says they're going to do or what Barstool did and all that. Like it, it was you know, there was an acquisition of a, of a DFS company and there was there was that at least on the Bally side of things. But really, we never really understood what the straight path was to some sort of real liquidity within the, the market and stuff. And so um, I think they probably all got together and said, oh, we probably should have had that plan if we entered into all of this. And here we are, you know, again, I mean. 15%, I get it. It's not like we're saying 50%, but 15% is 15% that could maybe lead to another 15% or whatever it might be. So I don't, I'm not saying it's a sign of things to come. All I'm saying is, is it's, it's not great. Yeah. And I mean, if they listen to this, if people at Bally's listen to this podcast, I'm pretty sure you could have gleaned like this is not as easy as you think it is. And, you know, I, you, you mentioned the DFS, they, you know, purchased Monkey Knife Fight, DFS slash prop betting, whatever prop platform you want to call it. Uh, they thought that database, I think, would instantly translate into, oh, we're going to start, you know, getting sports bettors in the door immediately. And <laughs> that's clearly not happened to any great extent because uh, as we sit here, they have very little of market share in well, any state. And, where and, they are. And one, one thing too, Dustin, is like, you know, if, if you if you found if you found monkey knife fight, you were definitely a DraftKings or FanDuel customer already as it was anyway. So you were getting, you were already getting bombarded by those guys and with their big promotional dollars and all of the stuff that they were running and things. So it's like, you were you were kind of fighting against them, right? It's not like this unique fan base that we or or you know database that we think maybe fanatics might possess, where it's like you know just a whole bunch of sports fans in general because they bought memorabilia and different things stuff like that. Like this was a a 
big crossover with the database that they got going up against the two behemoths in the industry. Yeah, and that was what I was going to get to next is what 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 is the value of a database that's not FanDuel and DraftKings? Like we know those databases were prime from day one. That is the that is the value that FanDuel and DraftKings had. They had these people who were ready, uh, who were engaged with their brands, all of that, uh, you know, with a you know quasi betting product in DFS. You know, is is that database that Fanatics has? Is that going to instantly? Yeah, again, we question that. Was that that monkey knife fight? Was it was was until recently, it was just a, like you said, a clone of a DraftKings or FanDuel. They, they were just looking for some other way to get down at that point. Maybe in the last two years, as you know, as as these products have have gotten more attention, maybe they've gotten raised their profile and, and gotten more users. But yeah, it's the same. It's the same story. Is whether uh, you know when Bally's acquired that this this database, I think they thought would just translate into oh this monkey knife fight. We're going to give them an offer. They're going to go over here, and now they're going to be a Bally's a sportsbook customer and. It's pretty clear at this point that didn't happen because we we certainly would have seen larger market share for any of the states that Bally's is in um, for sports betting already. Adam, I do want to end this one uh, real quick with just kind of going back to something we mentioned on the podcast probably eight months ago in which we saw that MGM had, you know, we've we've talked numerous occasions here about how the rest of country apps are different from the Nevada apps and that there were, you know, for whatever reason, what you see BetMGM in every other state other than Nevada is completely different. What you see whenever you open up William Hill by Caesars rest of country is completely different from what you see when you open up the William Hill app in Nevada. Well, we got word that MGM was at least trying to get the, that app into Nevada. And, you know, you and I were kind of joking back and forth. Would it be in time for football season? Would it be in time for the Super Bowl? Would it be in time for whatever? And then we've actually heard absolutely nothing about that really since. And so it just goes to kind of, it, I understand the, the numbers in Nevada still are not like dying or anything, but they're not growing. And other these, in these other States are certainly catching up to Nevada. And I, I think if we continue with this trend and they don't let these other guys in and, and they don't want to adapt and don't want to innovate, I think we could be doing this podcast 18 months from now, 24 months from now, and Nevada's like 10th in the country when it comes to to handle and all the different stuff like that because these other markets are just going to continue to mature, continue to innovate, continue to have options for their betters that are just not allowed here. I think this is probably a larger discussion for another podcast yes. for us to really dig into. I'm not sure I'm 100% there on how far Nevada will drop in terms of handle just because of the size of the wagers that come through Nevada that don't tend to come through other places. But I understand exactly what you're saying. I actually thought you were going to reference uh, the new governor's state of the state speech in Nevada in which he mentioned not related to sports betting, but related to other gaming products that he feels like that the speed of the test labs is not fast enough mm -hmm. for getting new products into Nevada. And I think that there's a trickle effect there that could be uh, applied to sports betting. So it's something worth keeping an eye on uh, because if it has the governor's attention, it's at least something that might be something that someone with influence is pitching to him as something that needs attention. Yeah. And just to put a bow on the Bally's thing, here for a second. I think it also shows that uh, branding yourself with every RSN in the country is also not a direct path to sports betting success, because I can't tell you how many people have asked the question, what is a Bally when it mm -hmm. comes to, you know, Bally Sports Southwest or whatever the case might be. 
And the answer is clearly they've not used that to define themselves well enough to translate it into customer acquisition. Yeah, we've already seen too. I mean, like they're not getting any free promotion from Caesars anymore. They have now Bally's on the strip has now made the flip. It is horseshoe. So they have that brand is dead within uh, the Caesars, within the Caesars umbrella and all of that. And so it's kind of like Bally's truly is on on their own now with all of this. And so uh, I look, we, you know, when, when they opened, I think we all maybe did. I Dustin, I think definitely you did. Like I downloaded the app and like messed around with it, looked around with it. I thought it was fine. I mean, I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was fine. I th- certainly thought, you know, the menu could be bigger, certainly compared to some of the other ones out there, but I thought it functioned all right. And it looked all right. And all the stuff like that. I, I just, you know, truly believe when, when it comes down to it and whether people want to agree with it or not. And I, you know, there's a lot of people who don't, but I, I truly believe it's all going to come down to options and what you allow and promotions and things like that. Like I truly, and listen, I'm a big time sports better, right? Like I'm a big time sports better. And I just don't know if best price in all that all the time is really at the end of the day, going to win out here in the States. I, I honest to God don't. I mean, I think there will be a, a niche for that for sure amongst the 0.1% of betters where that is a critical, crucial thing to their bottom line. They're doing it for a living or they're doing it for a bulk of their income or all the different stuff like that. But like, I think the 99.9%, you know, it's really just give me all the stuff to bet on. Give me everything to yep. look at, flash the lights at me, throw me a free bet every now and then do the different things like that. Like I, I honestly think that's, that's probably going to be what, what wins out. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, another topic for another day where we yeah. get, get into it more. But like, yeah, it's like people just want. Again, we can rail against single game parlays, things like that, because they're awful value. But that's what people want. They want the lottery ticket, right? You want to. Uh, we saw the one. Some guy bet all the first down touchdown scores and five bucks and won tens of thousands of dollars, right? That's what. That's the dream. Everybody. Nobody wants. Nobody wants. Most people. Most casuals don't want to grind out. Minus one ten sides uh, for you know for larger amounts. That's not what they want. They want yes, they want different things. They want different options. And um, I mean, again, yeah, I'm I'm with you on the price sensitivity. As long as we're sort of in line with offshore and we're not ridiculous, we saw, of course, the the example of Montana is offering minus one forty one sides on women's basketball. That's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, that's where like, we can't defend it, right? At that point, right. we're kind of like, all right, go, go offshore. Yeah, bet offshore. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Like at that point, can't defend it. You know. But yeah, that, I mean, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, at the end of the day, it's giving people what they want. Like we've we've started to see that this is what people want. They want options. They want to be able to put that. Like yeah, make their own little. Um, crazy lottery tickets. Uh, I think I think most people understand their lottery tickets, but that's also you know that's that that is what the market wants right now. It's you know we can it is chicken and the egg or the you know the obviously the sportsbooks want you to bet these things because they make them a lot of money, but this is also what people want to bet on. They want to do this, so give them the opportunity to do it. Uh, you know, obviously with the understanding, I think that this is these are not bets that are going to win a lot. So <laughs> I, you know, when we see these, I don't want to like. I, I shudder a little bit because the people then get the idea. Oh, I can do this too. But no, you're not. You're you're, you're punching a lottery ticket, and you know you're not going to. This is not a long term winning strategy for anyone. Guys, everything we do absolutely free here. So head on over to legalsportsreport.com and check out all of the awesome words that go along with all the topics we're talking about. And of course, 
subscribe, rate, review, hit the little button down there. Everything absolutely free. That's all we're asking from a support side from you guys is helping us out right there. If you want to follow Adam on the Twitter machine at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. You want to follow Dustin at Dustin Galker. For Dustin, for Adam, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. Or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with durable colors that last all season with bare premium plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.